Revelation chapter number 2 and verse number 1. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He says, I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Yes, born, yes, patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I'm going to preach this subject tonight, and I'm going to I don't know if I'll preach any more on the churches or not. That's, that's up to the Lord, whatever He wants. But for tonight's message, I want to preach on this thought, the message to all churches. The message to all churches. And I want to say this before we pray. It'd be real easy when we study the book of Revelation, chapter number 2 and chapter number 3, to say that Jesus was just speaking to these seven churches. Just to these seven churches. But... That's not all that Jesus was speaking to. Because they was not just seven churches when this was written. They were several churches. But what you and I need to realize is, is this message to the church is a timeless message. It's, it's not a particular event in history or in prophecy or in the end times that we can study about these churches. We can preach about these churches from now until Jesus comes and, and, and a thousand years ago and this scripture would be relevant. It would be right on time. Do you understand that? So when we are studying about these churches here in the book of Revelation, you and I can take these scriptures and me as the pastor and you as faithful servants of the Lord, we can take these messages, these scriptures, and we can apply them to the church today. Are you with me? To the church today. So the message tonight is the message to all the churches. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your love and your mercy. Thank you for allowing us to be here this evening. I pray to your Heavenly Father, Lord, that you would help me as I preach for the next few minutes. God, that you would fill us with your spirit. Speak to us through your word. Open our eyes, open our hearts, and let us, Lord, see and let us hear and understand what we need to in this portion of Scripture. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for all that you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. What a blessing. I will, I will say this. Out of the seven churches that I've studied over the last several days, for me personally, 
This church is probably the reason that the Lord dealt with me about preaching it tonight. This church, this church of Ephesus, is the one that convicted me the most. It did. As soon as I studied about this church, as soon as I read about this church, as soon as I, I, I done my studying through these first seven verses, my wife is my witness who is sitting here tonight. I looked at her and I said this. I said, I'm under conviction. She said, what about? I said, the scriptures that I just finished studying, I said, I'm under conviction. I said, the Lord is really dealing with me personally, me personally, about what I've just read. And she said, what did you read? And I read it to her and I told her how the Lord was dealing with me. Well, all during that day, all day long, I couldn't shake it. It was on me, man. I mean, it was on me. The Lord was dealing with me and dealing with me and dealing with me. So I'm going to share my heart with you tonight. And I pray that the Lord will speak to you just the way that he spoke to me. First thing I want to notice is in verse number one, we have to see Christ's place. Write that down if you take notes. Christ's place. Now, I'm very bad to read my Bible, and if I've read it before, I've read it numerous times, I just mainly kind of skip through it, or I'll just kind of, and I'll go on. And I've done that a lot here, in first, especially the first couple of chapters of Revelation, because I feel, you know, maybe I got a little understanding of it, but then when you get on into the book, you, you really slow down, you think, now I need to really focus. But right here, I believe the Lord really dealt with me about Christ's place, his place. Notice what it says. It says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write. Now, when you study this word, I, the only dictionary that I used was the Hebrew and Greek, all right? So just stay with me. And the Hebrew and Greek, in the, in, in, the, in the dictionary that I looked at, this word angel simply means a messenger. We know that. The word angel means a messenger, and it not only means a messenger, but it means to bring tidings, and that's what angels did. But then it says to lead, and then in parentheses, it gives the definition of a pastor. Conviction right off the get-go. The angel of the church of Ephesus writes, this church here is an assembly of believers assembly of believers. There's a lot of people who says, I don't believe in the church. I don't believe you have to have a church. I believe you can just do your own thing. Well, Jesus Christ is speaking to the church. Amen. And not only to the church, but the church is in specific places. So don't miss that. He says to the angel of the church, the assembly of Ephesus. And then I notice where it says this. Look what it says. Christ holds seven stars in his right hand. And then this really hit me. And Christ walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So Christ holds in his hand and Christ walks in the midst. And we see here it says the, the, the seven stars in his right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. And this is one of the easiest interpretations in all of the book of Revelation because at the very end of chapter number 1 and verse number 20 gives us the interpretation of verse number 1 in chapter 2. Look what it says. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks 
the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So let me say this. Christ is dwelling, and Christ is walking in the midst of the seven churches. Christ is moving through. He is noticing. He is watching. He is seeing. Christ knows everything that is going on in our life, but Christ also knows everything that is going on in the church. If you believe that, say amen. amen. He knows. We can't fool God. We, we can't pull anything under God's eyes. We can't, we can't trick God. We can't, we can't do that. And what we need to understand tonight is Christ's place here in Revelation chapter number 2 and chapter number 3. Christ is walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And the seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches. If you with me, say amen. amen. Christ's place. But then we see number two, as I was studying this in verse number two and three, what Christ proclaims. To proclaim, this simply means to declare publicly. Christ proclaims some things about this church. Look at verse number two and three. He says, I know thy works. I know thy works. When I read that, as I was studying this chapter, when Christ says to the church, he declares it publicly, I know thy works. In other words, the Lord knows not only what I'm doing, and the Lord not only knows what you're doing, but the Lord knows everything that is going on in the church. The Lord said, I know thy works. Do you understand that tonight? The Lord knows what's going on. The Lord knew about the tent meeting. The Lord knows about the souls in the balance. The Lord knows about the missions program. The Lord knows about the ladies' ministry. The Lord knows about the men's meetings. The Lord knows about a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Listen, there is nothing that goes on in the Lord's church that the Lord don't know about. Amen? The Lord knows thy works. The Lord knows what is going on in the Lord's house. You know what's going on in your house? And the Lord knows what's going on in his house. He just don't say that here in verse number 2. Look at it with me, if you will. Look what he says to the next church in verse number 9. Turn there and look at it, verse number 9. He says to the next church, I know thy works. Look what he says in verse number 13 <laughs> to the next church. He says, I know thy works. Look what he says in verse number 19 to the next church. I know thy works. Look what he says in chapter 3 and verse number 1. He says, I know thy works. Look what he says in chapter number 3 and verse number 8 to the next church. He says, I know thy works. Look at chapter number 3 and verse number 15 to the next church. He says, I know thy works. Are you with me? You might as well go ahead and say it. Jesus knows. He knows. He just didn't know what was going on in one church. He knew what was going on in every church. And I had never noticed that before, but as I was studying through this, I thought, you know what? Jesus knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in these seven churches. Amen? How does he know? How does he know? It says right here, he says, I'm walking in the midst. He's in the midst. The Lord, 
Listen, the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, amen? And the Holy Spirit dwells in me. And you and I need to realize that everywhere we go, Jesus is with us. And he knows what is going on. But look what he says here. Christ proclaims. It is a very strong thought just to know this, that Christ says, I know thy works. But he don't stop there. He goes on and he says, I know thy labor. That's what he says in verses 2 and 3. He says, I know thy labor. And when you study this word labor, it means to the point of weariness. Did you know that the Lord is looking at this church of Ephesus? And I pray that there are times that when the Lord looks at Pleasant Hill Missionary Baptist Church, that the Lord could say about this church, I know your labor. I know what you're doing. And I know that there are some of you that have labored and you have worked and you have been weary. But you're being weary and well-doing. But what you and I need to realize is, is the Lord knows. The Lord knows. You can't lose that tonight. The Lord knows. He says, I know thy labor. And then he goes on. He says, I know your patience. That's continuance. That's not only a continuance, but it's cheerful and it's hopefulness. He says, I know that about you. But then there's something else that he said that I know. Here in this verse, and I never had studied it. Studied it before, but boy, did it speak to my heart. Look at verse 2. He said, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Never had studied that phrase before. But when you study that phrase, it says cannot bear. That word bear means you cannot endure. And that word means that you cannot carry. I know I'm preaching, but I feel like I'm trying also to teach, so stay with me. He says, I cannot bear them which are evil. That means to endure, and it means to carry. And when you study that word, which are evil, it means the effects of evil. Now listen to what it means. It means that they were those that are in the churches who are injurious who try to injure people. They are those in the churches that can cause harm. But it goes on, and when you study that word evil, it means they, were, they are those in the church who are noisome. Noisome. And that means the influence of others. And what he is saying to this church, he says, I know your works, I know your labor, I know your patience, and I know that you could not endure, you could not carry, you could not deal, you could not, you just could not handle it when people walked in your church and they tried to cause evil. And he is, he is congratulating this church because of this that is happening in their church. Now, let me say this to you, and don't, don't let this confuse you. Should a church allow sinners in the building? Yes. Boy, if we don't, we're in trouble. Amen. If we don't let sinners in the building, I'd have never got saved. Amen? Yes. So the church, yes, the church should allow sinners in the building. Every sinner, every man, woman, boy, and girl is always welcome in the house of God. Amen? Amen. But what about those people who tries to come in here and cause harm? What about those people, Roger, that's coming in here and they're trying to stir up mischief? What about people that comes into a church that tries to influence other people and cause them to err in their faith? Should they be allowed to sit in here and cause up a bunch of 
nonsense and a bunch of ruckus and a bunch of mischief and cause the people in the church to be weary? Should they be allowed? He said, you know what? He said, you know what I, you know what I commend you for? When those people come in, they're not talking about sinners, but when those people come in and they tried to stir up mess, they tried to cause trouble, they tried to run their mouths and run people down, and they tried to affect the church in an evil way, he said, you didn't put up with it. And you know what I say to that? Amen, glory to God. Because I'm going to tell you, we have no room in the house of God for someone to come in and try to divide the house of God. Hear that, church. Look, any sinner is welcome to come in and sit on the pew in any service. But people who come in and try to disrupt the good things of God and tries to divide a church, you cannot allow that to happen in a congregation of believers. You with me? It's not my words. It's Jesus' words. Amen? Hey, listen, there's enough fighting. There's enough arguing. There's enough backbiting. There's enough trouble out in the world. We don't need that kind of trouble in the house of God. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen? That's why I say if you hear somebody running down someone else that goes to your church, you ought to tell them to stop. You hear somebody throwing off on the church, you ought to tell them to stop. Because this is God's house. Amen? It's God's house. And every sinner is welcome. Don't miss that. Don't let, don't let the devil confuse you in your mind what the Word of God is saying. Every sinner is welcome. But when somebody comes in that is evil and they're trying to cause harm, stop it as fast as you can stop it. You with me? That's what he said here about this church. He said, I know thy labor. I know your patience. I know you cannot bear them which are evil. That's what he said. And then he goes on and he says this. And boy, this is another good one right here. He said, you've tried them. That means you've examined them. He said, you've tried them who say they are apostles. Those who say they are ambassadors of the gospel. He said, you have examined them. You have watched them. You have listened to them. You've paid attention to them. And you know what you found out about them? You found out they was lying. He said, in that church... You found out they was deceitful. You found out they was wicked. You found out they was false. And you found out they was a liar. That's why it is so important, Pleasant Hill. Please hear this. Please hear this. Please hear this. Just because someone says they are a preacher, and just because someone carries a King James Bible under their arm, and just because someone wears a tie and wears a suit does not make them a man of God. Do you hear that? They are a lot of people who are saying one thing, but they are living another way. They are a lot of people that are preaching, and they're just preaching enough truth to cause so much error and so much wickedness in other people's lives that it's scary. You, if somebody says a verse, you ought to turn and make sure they're reading the verse. If somebody says this is the Word of God, you ought to open the Word of God and make sure they're preaching out of the Word of God. And if someone ever preaches that Jesus Christ was not born of the flesh and Jesus Christ was not born of a virgin and Jesus Christ did not die for the sins of the world and He didn't rise again the third day, you ought to get up and say that's heresy. You know what he said? He said, in that church, 
They examined, they listened, they watched, they paid attention. And just because they said they was an apostle did not make them an apostle just because they said they was one. Can I hear an amen on that? Whew. I'm telling you, man, this church right here, it convicted me. I'm thinking to myself, wow. I'm thinking to myself, we better really pay attention. I'm thinking to myself, we better really listen. I'm thinking to myself, just because someone gets loud and just because someone can preach and spit three rows back don't mean they're preaching the truth. That's right. Amen. You hear me? And just because someone is so smart that they use words that you have to get your phone out to get the dictionary to try to figure out what they're preaching does not make them a man of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with none of that. But we better make sure, we better examine, we better listen, we better watch, we better pay attention. And you know what he said about this church? He said, you did that. That's a great quality of a church. It's a great quality of a church. Are you with me so far? He said, you have tried them who say they're apostles, and they are not, and you found them liars. So examine them, examine them. Does the Bible say this? They are those who show up in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, what are they? Oh, they're wolves. Pay very close attention. Pay very close attention, church. You with me? We see what Christ says and we see what Christ sees right here about this church. Verse number three. He says, you have born. He says, you've had patience. He says, you've labored. You've not fainted. In other words, you've endured. You've been hopeful. You've worked hard. And this church, he says, you have not given up. You've not given up. But this church had a problem. All of these great things that Jesus says about this church. He said, there's one thing about this church that's a problem. Look at verse number four and five. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Remember what the candlestick is. It's the church. And what he's saying is, he's saying, listen, you're doing everything right. You're doing it, and you're working hard, and you're laboring, and you're, and you're wearing your hands to the bone, and you're, and you're wearing your knees out, and you're doing a lot of good things, and you're being faithful. And he's saying, you're doing all this good stuff. He said, but there's something, there's something that's beginning to slacken up. There's something that is beginning to fade away. And he said, when you begin to let that fade away, he said that church will be removed. That light can be removed. That, that seriousness of that church can disappear. And he said what it is is you've left your first love. You've left your first love. In other words, you ever heard people say, get up and preach and flam the, fan the flames, preacher, fan the flames, preacher, fan the flames. You know what needs to be fanned in my life and yours? 
the flames of how good it is to love Jesus. And we cannot forget that everything that we do, we're doing it because of Him and Him only. Who is Him? Jesus Christ. You got you to read your Bible because you love Jesus. We need to pray, Brother Don, because we love Jesus. I need to preach tonight. I love the church. I love every one of you. I'm more thankful to be your pastor now than I ever have been before. But I need to be preaching tonight simply because I love Jesus. Amen? You need to witness because you love Jesus. You, you, need, to, you need to stop traffic because you love Jesus. You, you need to do the souls and the balance because you love Jesus. You need to witness because you love Jesus. And what happens is if we're not real careful, we'll do a lot of things, and we'll do a lot of things right, and we'll do a lot of things that God sees, and He says, you're really doing good, church. But we cannot let our love for Jesus slip one little bit. When we begin to let that slip, it won't be long until we won't be doing anything at all. You will get so tired. You will get so weary. You will get so burnt out. You will get so frustrated that you will say, I'm done with all of that. I'm not even going back. And I told my wife, I said, that convicts me. Convicts me. Everything that I do, Miss Natalie, I just want to do it because I love Jesus. That's, that's all. And, 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 and can I testify tonight, and I hope, I hope that you don't stand up and walk out, but can I testify tonight, there was a time in my life that's different than it is tonight. I, I, I was thinking about the love of the Lord, Henry. How many, I'm just gonna, I just want to take you back, because he says remember. That's verse 5, right? Remember. The only way you can remember something is you got to think about something. <laughs> Are you with me? And I was down there on vacation, and I just started remembering. I just started thinking about some things. I, I remembered the sin that I was in and the wicked life that I was living and the Holy Spirit took me back to that second pew when the Lord dealt with my heart and drew me. The Holy Spirit actually drew me to a place of repentance. And I got on my knees and I asked Jesus the best way I knew how to save me. And as I was there on vacation, it hit me all over again. Man, I'll never forget. I'll never forget when I stood up. The feeling of clean. You remember that? Remember that. Go back to that. Remember that. Not only the, the feeling, it was, you say it's not a feeling, it was a feeling. I, I stood up and I was like, I'm saved. And it hit me, Brother Hardy. I don't have to die and go to hell. I get to go to heaven. Not because of me, but what because Jesus did in me. And not only did he touch my heart, Brother Don, he touched my mind. And boy, when he touched my mind, there would be things that would go on, and I'd be like, it's all good. Jesus is good. I mean, life is good. Amen. He's touched my heart. He's touched my mind. He's touched my life. And I, and I got to remember that. I can't lose that. I can't just get into this thing 30 or 40 years and say, ah, that's just what I do now. I just preach now. I'm a pastor now. I mean, that's my job. It's what I do. No, no, no. He said, he said don't lose. Remember, don't lose that first love. I remembered, I remembered opening my Bible. I remembered it. 
And my mom, even when she was lost, my mom said, son, read the 23rd Psalm. Son, read the 23rd Psalm. And I remember, I said, how do you find the 23rd Psalm? And I found the 23rd Psalm and I read it and it said this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I said, I don't get it. I don't understand that. How could the Lord be my shepherd and me not want him? You with me? It made zero sense to me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. And Hardy, I didn't think about that verse for five minutes. I didn't think about that verse for five days. That verse stayed on me and stayed on me and stayed on me. And then I can't remember if it was a cassette tape. You know what a cassette tape? It was a cassette tape. I don't know how I heard it, but I heard a man preaching and he said this. When the Lord is your shepherd, you don't have to want for anything. And I remember going... If the Lord is my shepherd, I don't have to. And I can remember thinking this. I get it. I get it. I understand it. I understand what that one phrase means in the Bible. And Miss Cox, it was like lightning bolts going off in my soul. I understood the Word of God. Amen. You with me? Amen. He says, remember. Remember from where you've fallen and repent. What happened, Brother Jason? What got me away from that? What happened in my life to cause me to say, eh? What happens in our lives? You remember the joy of the Lord? You remember the hunger for the Word? You remember when the Holy Spirit dealt with you? Listen, I know this is all crazy stuff to some of you, but I, I remembered it. I remember after I got saved... Don, you, got, you understand me. I remember, Don, when I got saved, I was laying in my bed and I was praying for my mom and my dad and my brothers. Well, they were such a burden on my soul, the only thing that I could explain it and the only way that I could get it out was it was the same feeling that I felt the day the Lord convicted me and saved me. Are you with me? Does that make sense to you? I need to say it again. It was that same heaviness on me, but it was a burden for my family. So the only thing I knew to do was I said, Lord, if I'm not saved, save me. Because I didn't know what else to do. But now that I know, I realize that he didn't need to save me again. It was a burden that he put on my heart for my family. And I remember I'd look at my daddy. Tears would get in my eyes. And I'd look at my mom and I, and I wrote my brother Norman a letter. And I said, Norman, you need to accept Jesus as your Savior. He says, remember, he says, remember where you've fallen from and repent. Remember that. You remember that, child of God? I'm not here on a Wednesday night because I have to be. I'm here tonight because I want to be. And the old whisperer whispered in my mind and said, well... Half the church is going to be gone to the youth meeting. The other half the church is going to be down at the children's meeting. There ain't going to be nobody in there. You ain't going to be preaching but to about three people. And you know what I said? I said, glory to God. I get to preach to three people tonight. Amen. Amen. I seen Dennis and Sharon walk in. I was like, there's two of them. 
and then my wife's the third one, and then my daughter and my grandbabies. I was like, I get to preach to all these people, and then the rest of y'all showed up. I don't want to forget that. I don't want to forget what it was like when me and my wife would go to the nursing home with our little small children, and we'd go into a room, and we'd roll them little ladies and them little men in there, and I'd preach to them, and every one of them would sleep. They would sleep, and we would sing. I would sing, and we would sing, and I would preach, and then we'd wake them up, and we'd roll them back to the rooms. And we'd get in a car, and we would cry. You know why? Because the Lord let us do that. He said, remember, Keith, he's just not just talking to Ephesus. He's talking to me. He's talking to you tonight. Remember where you was at. Don't forget that. Remember what God has done and repent. Whatever it is that's causing us to lose that, repent, turn from it, and go back to him. Say, Lord, fan the flames in my soul just for my love for thee. Talking to a man just the other day. I wouldn't tell you his name if you give me a million dollars. He said this to me. He said, Brother Keith, sometimes when I preach, it's fake. I said, What do you mean it's fake? He said, It's not real. Said, I think that people's expecting me to perform in such a way that when I preach, it's almost turned into a performance instead of being real. Remember, remember your first love. Repent. All Jesus wants from you is to love Him. If I'd, if, I'd hit you, boy, if I'd have hit you just right, you'll shout and you won't even be faking it. You'll say amen and you'll mean it. Amen. You'll say glory to God because you want to give God glory. That's right. amen. And you'll come to an altar and fall on your face and weep because you just simply love him. Yes. Amen. You with me? No, are you with me? But are we with the word of God? It's what the Word of God says. Nevertheless, because you've left your first love. Now, if you study that word first, it means the order of importance. It's the order of importance. Call back, be mindful of, repent. It's not easy. It's not easy to stay here. It's hard sometimes because life happens and troubles come. And but I've been praying all week long. I have. I've been praying all week long. Lord, let me go back. Stir that back up in me, Lord. Don't let it fade. Don't let it fade. Do thy first works. Time, place, order, the beginning. Or the candlestick, the church, the light will be removed.
don't forget Christ has already conquered. He's going to give us victory. Amen? You with me? Look what else he says right here. Verse 6 is an unusual verse. It's just kindly thrown in here in the middle of all this. We'll cover that at the end. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Who is he that overcomes? 1 John 5, 4 and 5. You want to turn there with me and make sure I'm reading it right? 1 John, you don't have to go back, but just a couple of books. 1 John 5, verse 4 and 5. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, say amen. amen. Then you've overcome the world. You've got victory. Amen? Christ conquered that for us. He gives us victory. Think about this now. Because of sin in the garden and back in the book of Genesis, they was no longer able to be there with that tree of life. They was under death. But because of what Christ did on Calvary, <laughs> He gives us eternal life with God in heaven. Because of sin, I was dead. But because of Christ, I'm alive for, for all eternity. Amen? Because of sin, I was dead in my sins, but because of Christ, I'm alive for all of eternity. This promise from Jesus about paradise, I thought it was interesting. He says, the tree of life which is in the midst of paradise of God. Is this the only promise in the Word of God where Jesus said you would be in paradise? I find it interesting. There was another promise that he gave. You remember who it was to? It was that thief on the cross. That repentant thief. He says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I find that interesting. Two different promises of paradise. One to the repentant thief and one to the church of Ephesus. I don't understand all of that quite yet, but maybe one day I will. But that is a very, very, very interesting thought. Very interesting thought. Look at verse 6, then we'll be closed. But this thou hast, that thou hast the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. People don't ever think about Jesus hating things. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And the very first one is a proud look. But it speaks here of the deeds of the Nicolaitans. The deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now we speak into another church, the church of Pergamos in verse number 15. Turn to, turn to chapter 2, verse number 15. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which, things, which thing I hate. Jesus commends this church of Ephesus because they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And then the next church, he speaks of the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So there's the deeds and the doctrines. And when I begin to study this word, you can read about it. And it's, it's a lot of people just saying a lot of different stuff that I'm not going to repeat because I think it's just a lot of different stuff. But I looked up that word and it means a heretic. 
It means a heretic. The Lord hates the deeds and the Lord hates the doctrine of a heretic. That's what that word means. That, that it's, it's, it's Nick O Aos. It's a heretic. So he hates the deeds and he hates the doctrine. So what's a heretic? A heretic is one who holds to an opinion and not to the scriptures. The opinion of men is the standard, not the Word of God being the standard. You with me? And what Jesus is saying is, you know what, church? He said, you hated that because it was their opinions. And he said, I hate their opinions too. And he said, you hated that because they made their opinions their doctrines. And they made their opinions their deeds. Listen real close and I'll be done. Church, you and I can never base what we do on man's opinions. That's right. Amen. Opinions. The Lord hates our opinions. Especially when we get behind the pulpit and we preach our opinions like it's the very Word of God. He hates that. Amen? Lord, help us, Jesus. Amen? Lord, help us, Jesus, to be a working church. A church that loves sinners, but a church that will not tolerate evil. You with me? A church that stands solely on the Word of God and the Word of God only. And a church that no matter what's going on in it, we just love Jesus. Just love Jesus. <laughs> just love Jesus. I just love you, Jesus. You love him like you once did? <coughs> if not, repent. Turn back to it. There's several references about this Nicolaitans that you might have in your Bible if you've got a study Bible. And I'm just going to go ahead and stop you from chasing a rabbit right here. Because I, I have a feeling that some of you are just going to look up a reference. There's going to be a reference in there to the book of Acts. And that reference in the book of Acts is going to mention a deacon or a man by the name of Niccolo. And they say, commentaries would say, that that's the deeds of the Nicolaitans. But I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Just because the deacon's name and the Nicolaitans sound similar, Brother Don, that don't mean it's the same thing. Because if you study about that man, that man was faithful, that man's wife was faithful, that man's kids was faithful, and that man loved the Lord. So don't intertwine the Scriptures, amen? Let's try our best never to preach opinions. But stand on the Word of God.